welcome to episode 44 of It's Never Sunny in Seattle, a Seattle Mariners podcast. I'm your host today, Evan James, joined by Michael Ahedo and Andrews Jorstad. Um, I'm going to kick it right over to Mikey because you wrote an article for 538, your debut article with ESPN, some would say. Um, and you talked up Gilbert as one of the dark horse picks to have a breakout season. So currently he leads the league in ERA is my understanding, and he's having something of the breakout year you predicted. So uh, tell us about how he's having this success and what we can expect going forward. Yeah, um, I would be lying if I said that, you know, uh, it's it's happening and in, in kind of the way that I anticipated it would be happening. Um Right now, he, you know, unless you count his curveball, which he's only thrown a handful of, 35 of, um, he doesn't have a, a pitch that he's throwing, you know, for like a, a 30 uh, plus percent CSW. So really a lot of what he's doing is is kind of coming on contact management. Um, I mean, his CSW first fastball has actually gone down. And I think a lot of that is because, he hasn't been throwing in the zone as much. He's been, you know, uh, like his waste percentage is up. So like his percentage of fastballs in the, the waste zone, which is, you know, just an area that hitters don't swing at. Um, you know, overall I've, I've been encouraged by, you know, what I've seen from his pitches themselves, the, the pitch shape and, and velo. Um, I, I think the slider has been a little, you know, he is kind of throwing two like uh, different shapes, but, you know, I was kind of looking for him to be able to take four pitches and throw all of them, uh, you know, coming into the season. He's thrown 58% fastballs, which is only a couple ticks down from last season. So um, I do think his his stuff is legitimately up. His He's um, actually dropped his uh, release point. So his, his fastball... Uh, vertical approach angle is it's flatter it's um his fastball comes in um at a flatter angle um and you know the the i think the shape of all of his pitches are more controllable so um you know i i, I do kind of think it's smoke and mirrors to an extent right now uh but i think his fastball shape is better and and i think most of the shapes of his other offerings are better too it's just a matter of you know, really gaining feel for them and, um, uh, you know, figuring that out. But, um, you know, if, if you would have told me this is what his, his, his line would look like, I, I think I still would have been shocked, even though I, I called him a breakout pick going into this year, I thought it would have, you know, taken a little longer. So we'll see, but so far so good. Is it my turn to, to say things now? <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it's been really great to just watch him dominate to the extent that he has. I think that we still are waiting for him to really, I guess, nail it with every pitch. He still is using his fastball a lot, um, which is fine because it's working, but eventually that won't be, you know, that won't be the case necessarily. Um, so I'm waiting to see, I guess, more development from that changeup still and a secondary breaking ball, but. You know, I, I really have been encouraged by the results so far, even though they have mostly been against, you know, fairly weak competition. Um, I'm not really expecting him to be like a Cy Young contender for the rest of the year, but he doesn't have to be that for the Mariners to get something out of it. Uh, you'll recall the Mariners were hand wringing about the fact that they needed a number two starting pitcher behind Robbie Ray. And as long as Gilbert is that, 
I think that they're in great shape. And there's a good shot that he's more than that. Maybe not as early as this year, um, or maybe as early as this year, because you know if he can continue what he's doing, then I think that would be excellent. But I think my expectations for him, they've definitely gotten higher, but I would say at this point I'm expecting still like a mid-threes ERA, which would still be like a super valuable pitcher. So obviously really cool to, to see, and it's really fun to watch him pitch. Just watch him go out there and, you know, I think last year, I can't, who, who was a pitcher that like we were really excited to watch take the ball last year? I, I, I'm struggling Chris to think of one. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we have like three pitchers now. Well, maybe two. The other one being Brash, who it's like, oh, this is going to be really fun to watch. Like, even if, you know, it's not amazing, it's going to be like, this mm-hmm. is going to be a fun game to, to just watch this guy pitch. So, um, glad Mariners have more of that. And maybe, you know, when George Kirby comes up, there's going to be another one. Well, let's talk about the pitching kind of at a macro level real quick, because while I think it's clear to all of us that the offense has overperformed to some degree, they're the number one in MLB and, you know, wins above replacement. They're probably not going to stay there for the entire season, um, even if they are much improved offensively. But the pitching has been ranked 22nd in FIP and in war and, I am under the impression just having watched the team that the starters and the bullpen have have done okay, have pitched pretty well outside of in particular the hurricane slash inclement weather of Minnesota that they've done pretty good. But there are reasons when digging into in particular Robbie Ray to be maybe a little concerned about some of the under the surface numbers and the way he's throwing. Um, Mikey, why don't you tell us about Robbie Ray and kind of why he maybe hasn't looked like a Cy Young winner so far? easy <laughs> velo um you know i i think one of i mean really he made two changes uh last year and i wrote about them both um is that you know he he really folded them into one as he changed his mechanics he got that little uh, you know i wrote about the day i think that we acquired him but he um uh, he adjusted his mechanics got that little felix twist going on in in his mechanics and i really think that improved you know just the way that he transfers energy towards the plate um towards the end of 2021 his his velo started to dip and then it kind of came back towards the end of the year um to get him back to like 94 whereas he was 95 earlier in the year so that worried me but it's always you know some pitchers gain velocity as the year goes on some lose velocity as the year goes on um, I was kind of hoping that it was, you know, the latter for Ray is that he was just losing velocity and it would come back in the next year. Uh, that hasn't happened in, uh, you know, four games he's averaging and like a rolling four game span, he's averaging 93. And for Ray, you know, I think he's maintained his ability to get the ball in the zone. And I, you know, I think that he's, uh, going to be somewhat effective because of that. He's not going to have the, you know, 10% or bigger walk percentages that he's had in the past, but his fastball shape isn't that good. Like he's not, if he doesn't have 94, 95, he's not going to blow his fastball by, by other guys. And there's been games where he's, you know, mostly sat 91, 92. Um, So, you know, on the year he's averaging 92. That's, that's two and a half ticks down from last year's average. So that's like really not ideal. Um, he He's pretty much just like this year, he's become 
uniquely fastball slider, which, you know, is a thing that works for him. But when your fastball loses two and a half ticks, um, that that's not ideal. So, you know, right now he's made it work, even though it hasn't been sexy, like he's, he's been pretty productive. Um, but in terms of throwing strikes, like he's fallen from 29.6 to 24 and a half percent, uh, which like CSW isn't a metric that captures him anyways, because he, he creates so many foul balls. Um, but for the called strikes and, and whiffs alike to, to both fall and they both have fallen by, you know, a couple of percentage points. Um, it's not looking very good. And, and, you know, he's locked up for five years. It's not my money. It's $115 million, but I just wonder what the root is, you know, um, because he's always had a home run issue. It's going to be hard. Even if he's throwing in the zone, it's going to be hard to overcome that if he doesn't have the whiffs to go with it. And right now he doesn't have the whiffs. See, in terms of that, I don't know if it's as big of a concern because we know the ball is deader. So the home run problem may not actually come back for Ray. In fact, so far, it's about in line with his home run rate last year per nine. Um, so he may actually Which be helped. Well, yeah. But he won the Cy Young <laughs> with that home run rate. <laughs> right. Uh, but his his K percentage is almost half of last year. Yeah, obviously that's bad. But I will say... To say this is the old Robbie Ray is not necessarily accurate because last year his K per nine was actually low at the lowest of his career since 2016. Um, even lower than the year before where he had an ERA almost at seven. Um, so the the big problem for him was control before he before his Cy Young season was he was walking the world. And he's not really having that problem this year. His walks per nine is so far fairly in line with last year. But if he can't strike guys out with his old velocity that's a problem which is kind of i guess what you're alluding to um but the fact that he you know he found success at least in that to that degree previously when he had lower velocity leaves me to believe that maybe he can find that gear again um if he can you know at this point he might just be worrying a lot about the fact that he's throwing lower and he's going you know he's ex- he's deploying the same strategies that he was last year but maybe he can meld the two, you know, improve control plus, you know, whatever he was doing to strike guys out previously when he had lower velocity. Um, it's kind of like what Felix did, right? When Felix's velocity dropped, he didn't immediately become a, a worse pitcher. He just changed the way that he pitched. He found a new way to strike guys out. So I'm hopeful that Ray is a crafty enough guy to figure that out. If if indeed this velocity decline is, is going to stick around. Um, I'm hopeful that the Mariners with their, you know, advanced pitching methods, that's in quotes, because we haven't seen those fruits bear out completely yet at the major league level, besides at the bullpen level and potentially Gilbert. Um, I feel confident that with their expertise and with his, you know, what he's been able to do in his career, that he will be able to figure it out one way or another. I don't think he's going to be an albatross is what I'm saying. He's not going to Carlos Silva us. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But I'll knock on wood for that one. <laughs> what uh, what would make you feel better about everything that's going on? Like if there was a reason why the velo is down two and a half ticks, what would, Cold weather, what would make you feel better? I guess if it was because of the weather or, or because yeah. he's adjusting to the ball. Um, like, I don't know if, you know, the, the very slight difference in, in the ball's physicality is 
changing the way he, his pitches are shaped. I don't really know if that's a thing or not, but. And generally league wide velocity is down in April. Is that correct? Like pitchers generally throw harder in the first couple of weeks of May than they do for the first month of the season. And it's not Mm -hmm. the degree necessarily that Ray is currently missing, but it would make us feel a little better if he was throwing a little harder next month. Right. There have been some, some games and some innings I feel like of this April for him where he's had velocity close to where he was at previously. Right. Like there have been times where it's like, Oh, he's sitting 94, 95 right now. So it's not like mm. the ability vanished. Yeah. I don't, I mean, and spring his VO is normal, I think. So I don't know what it is. I, I think there's several things that can, you know, could be going on. It's a injury, which might make me feel better. You know, <laughs> well, he, I mean, if, it's something that's fixable, not like a shoulder. Right. I mean, if it's, you know, come, august and and he goes on the dl and or il and and says you know i uh had a oblique thing or or hamstring thing that i was dealing with and i tried to pitch through it and i did for the most part but you know i just wasn't the same uh could be weather and i you know i bet a small part of it is is at least weather but kind of doubt it's the whole thing uh could be mechanical it could be aging I mean, he's not even 31 yet, but it's it's a possibility. Well, there's a lot of innings um, on that arm, right? He's got yeah. over a thousand innings so far, a- almost 200 starts. He's not a spring yeah. chicken. But, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, he pitched 193 innings last year. That's a lot. It's and a it's lot not like, days. you know, back in back in the day where yeah. they're just throwing 270. But well, uh that was the Felix problem yeah. too, wasn't it? Like he wasn't old. He just had thrown so many fucking innings. I mean, yeah, there's I mean, a lot of conspiracy theories just around his arm. There was that story that came out years before he even kind of was on the downslope where the Yankees said they wanted to trade for him and didn't like his medicals. As you may recall, there mm-hmm. was this quote about how his arm was like already halfway torn off or something like that in relation to him maybe needing TJ someday. Um, so that's its own separate can of worms. Um, for sure. Sorry, that was a little a little tangent, but uh, there's a little Mariners lore in there. No, but it's true. Yeah. It's important. It's important to remember that Ray is not Felix, and he's not Silva. He's Robbie Ray, and it's impossible to know exactly where the trajectory is going to go from here in terms of you know comparing to those particular players. And I feel like we're just like we as Mariners fans are so <laughs> we've been so poisoned over the years that like you know Kelnick is Dustin Ackley all of a sudden and. Um, you know, I'm sure Raleigh is going to be Jesus Montero to people now that he's been sent back down. <laughs> but, you know, shameful player. Yeah, players are different, you know. Um, so I, I would not at all use that as as a framework for how you think Ray is going to do. Yeah. I On the know, subject man. of him making it work, um, Mikey, you said he's made it work so far. His results are not terrible. They're not great. They're not Cy Young level, but he's, you know, he's gone deep in games. He generally hasn't been completely worked over other than obviously that weird inning he had with the, the hurricane in, I believe that was Minnesota, right? Um, so yeah, outside of like some yeah. general weirdness, his results are mostly fine. I think that we would all agree that this version of Ray is tenable for the Mariners in the interim. It's less a question of, is he going to be useful for the Mariners in the immediate and more, is this a sign of worse things to come both later this year and further on down the road? And we don't know yet. We have to wait and see if the velocity comes back. We have to wait and see 
if he strikes anybody else out in May. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of innings left to be covered by this team, frankly, um, in particular, because one of the other guys in the rotation who we should talk about next, Matt Brash, um, is getting also good results, but also not going deep in games. And also his underlying numbers are a little less flattering than some of the superficial numbers, given how he's managed to um, prevent runs from scoring. So, Mikey, what do you think about Matt Brash and the start he's had so far? Obviously, the slider is kind of big news in the baseball world and getting a lot of action on Twitter with gifts and whatnot. Um, but that the actual stats don't seem to like him all that much, and they say he's been below average so far with the innings he's thrown on fan graphs. Um, what do you make of that and how Matt Brash has pitched so far? Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing because, you know, if you zoom out, uh you know, his, 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 his breaking ball is technically two pitches. Uh, like I, I think he would make the argument that it is two separate pitches. Um, and I actually think he has made that argument and all three of his pitches. And I'm not really counting his change up here because he's only thrown a handful. They're all above a 30% CSW. Um, that's, you know, that's, that's really good news. Um, that is like what you would expect out of a strike thrower. Obviously, you know, uh, there's also the, so his, his overall strike percentage, and this is an example of like the kind of debate between CSW and um, strike percentage is that strike percentage takes into account um, foul balls and, and balls in play. And those matter because a ball in play, you know, is not a walk. And a uh, foul ball is a strike if you're, you know, not in a two strike count. And if, you know, it is, then, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's not a ball. It's enough to induce a count. swing if, at, at the very <laughs> least. Right. And so one way to look at it might be to look at like his, his ball percentage, which for all three pitches, it's 36%, which is pretty good i'm trying to i'm trying to math that that's about 64 percent uh that's a, a, a i would i'm not looking at the numbers but like that's a pretty decent uh number for a fastball and 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 really good for a breaking ball um and so i tend to think that you know this early um you know, it's kind of hard to look at things because he hasn't thrown that many pitches. If you look at his walk rate, if you look at his K percentage, those don't look really great. But when you look at the strike throwing, like his strike percentage, those percentages are, are higher than I would have thought because I would have thought, you know, he would throw more balls than that. Um, that's encouraging to me. You know, he has been hit hard, but uh it's also important when you're looking at things like barrel percentage to look at like barrels per plate appearance rather than barrels per batted ball, because he doesn't, he doesn't, he, he gets a lot of swings and misses. Um, it's kind of a silly thing that when we look at CSW, we're looking at it in uh you know, kind of a, 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 a more general context, because as you get deeper into counts, it gets harder to throw strikes. Um, and also, like, we should probably take into consideration uh, barrels not only by batted balls, but also by plate appearance or by pitch thrown, because um, 
you know, we should consider a swing and miss, you know, inducing bad contact because it's no contact. Um, and so I think if you look at like, you know, his stat cast sliders, things are not going to look great. But he's looked really, you know, quite solid. Um, I would like to see him throw more strikes with his fastball. Um, and probably, I don't know, he's actually been throwing his breaking stuff quite a bit. Um, but I, I've been more encouraged than than I thought. It's it's looked pretty ugly at times. I mean, he had that like five or six walk game. But he's he's like his numbers have more of the look of a starter than I would have thought if you're not just looking at strikeouts walks. Yeah, I guess Mikey, my my question for you is what do you attribute to the fact that he only has a seven K per nine at this point? Like why are why is he not fooling hitters more if that's supposed to be his carrying trait? Yeah. Um I think one thing is that when he gets to to two strikes uh he's mostly throwing this curveball but his his four seamer has been a really bad um put away pitch and so i think i think he probably ought to lean more on the breakers um and then you know and and three ball counts i think he's just pretty predictable i mean the the four seamer has been pretty good in terms of CSW. I actually don't know, like, like a quarter of the time he throws a strike with his fastball. Um, in terms of CSW, if you fold in balls in play, it's forty percent, fifty percent. If you fold in foul balls, which like a fifty percent strike percentage with a four seamer and a three ball count is probably not very good. Um, because a lot of the time, you know, hitters are, if it's 3 0, hitters are taking. Um, so I, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, maybe my optimism in terms of some of these numbers is, isn't, maybe I'm not being contextual enough. Um, maybe it's that, you know, he hasn't been good enough in two strike counts and he's been bad in three ball counts because he doesn't always know where the ball is going. So, you know, maybe it's just that we need to see him avoid three ball counts more and we need to see him be more aggressive in two strike counts because this is kind of the issue with not having a changeup or at least not throwing a changeup um, and not being able to to command his pitches is, is you know, you, you walk more guys than you'd like and you don't strike out, strike out enough guys. So that's what I would say. To the thought of that needing more context as well, to answer your question, Durs, as to why is the strikeout rate low, I would say that his first three games were on a different level than his fourth appearance. And if you were to look at those games, the strikeout rate compared to the the walks, obviously, is much better. His last game, he walked six guys, and I believe he had one strikeout. Or I, I was watching in the fifth, and he had zero. So, you know, we're at the small sample size portion of the of the podcast where I point out that, you know, with four starts, if you bomb one pretty hard, your, your overall That's numbers true. are going to come down quite a bit. So, yeah, the context to that, I agree with absolutely with everything Mikey said, but we've seen kind of two versions of Brash so far. Um, Brash who's commanding the strike zone pretty well for early in the game and Brash who is struggling all game um, and the latter of those is pulling down the numbers and it's a question of can he be the former guy more often um, how do you respond to that Durs? No I, I think that that's definitely kind of 
He's been inconsistent in terms of like spurts of innings. Like there's some innings where like he just doesn't have the command and the next inning he he does. And he's actually been helped a good deal by being like this double play king <laughs> where he's just like gotten himself out of these jams incredibly uh, by just like getting a timely ground ball. And I don't know if that's just like an actual skill <laughs> um, or if that's something that he's just been like getting super lucky with. Um, I should also mention that we are currently recording this on Friday before his start against the Marlins. Mm-hmm. So it's entirely possible that he either has like a really great or really bad start that totally changes the framework of this conversation. Like if he comes back, if he, if you know, you listening in the future, if you've just watched Matt Brash strike out 10 batters in six innings, that's a totally different, you know, takeaway than if you've just seen him walk seven batters in five innings. Um, but to this point, I would say that, you know, I agree that there have been very encouraging outings like that first White Sox one. And that's a good lineup. He was just killing them. And those guys, those, you know, some of those hitters who've been around for a long time, like Jose Abreu, had no idea what to do with his pitches. And I also <laughs> don't know if that was just like a lack of a scouting report. And now that there is more of a scouting report, you know, teams know, OK, let's just take him deeper into counts. Um, so it, mm. it, you mentioned, you know, small sample size. It's kind of hard to know which it is whether it's just like the randomness of chance or whether it's you know teams now have video on him and they are choosing to attack him differently and if that's the case then he has to adjust as every baseball player does um and for him that maybe means throwing more strikes or it maybe means you know being more aggressive early in counts and not trying to pick at the corners early in counts because he's not going to get those swings and misses um it's just hard to know well, wow. we talked about the talk, the top of the rotation. Do you guys want to dig into the bottom half of the rotation, which I think is slightly less interesting than the yeah. other option, which is to dig into the bullpen, which is really Mikey's wheelhouse in particular. Did Mikey, Mikey, yeah. did you have a revelation about Brash though? <clears throat> I mean, it small sample size. This is a, a sample of twenty-two pitches uh, out of one hundred forty-nine pitches or pitchers. Um, in three ball counts, Brash ranks one hundred forty-third in strike percentage. So, like. When it gets down to it, he's not a strike thrower. Uh, like uh, uh, the median or, or um, yeah, let's go median. So 149, it's like 74, uh, 73%. So you should be able to throw a strike about three quarters of the time, which is like Robbie Ray-esque. Uh, he has been half of the time, which is more like who's a bad pitcher down here. I don't know. There's some good pitchers like Carlos Rodon. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a really small sample and, and you know, this could change in a hurry and really like, you know, his one bad game where he walked five guys like that's skewing this, but um, it's an issue. Nonetheless is when, when it gets down to it, he needs to be able to throw a strike and he hasn't been able to do that. Um, So I, I don't know. I really don't know what the, what the, um, what the solution is there. Um, I mean, obviously it's like improve commands, but it's like, you know, how do you do that? Maybe it's throw a change up more and, and give hitters a different look. Probably not as much. Um, so yeah, I just want to throw that in before we moved on to, to relievers. Who I'd love to talk about. Let's talk relievers in that case, because I think no offense to Marco, but you know, he went out after one batter yesterday. Yeah. There's not, <laughs> unfortunately this exact moment, his performance has been very mixed. There isn't much to say. And Chris Flexen is Chris Flexen. Like 
there's not that much to talk about. He has an archetype of a, of a start at this point. That I think both Marco and Flexen are just like, they are what they are. Yeah. And that's, if they're going to be that, that's great. That's a, a foundational part of a winning rotation. And like, we need the innings in particular that Flexen has thrown so far. Uh, we lost yesterday, but he soaked up some innings and didn't give up many runs. And that's what he's here to do. So that's really all we need to say about them, quite frankly. Um, but I yeah. think the bullpen is an interesting conversation because I feel like they've performed pretty well. There's one game in particular that sticks out where they gave up kind of a lot of runs. But outside of that, Castillo has looked like his old self. Steckenrider continues to look good. Um, Seawald is back, yes, as of yesterday. Correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, Mikey, last year the bullpen was really like the saving grace of the team and maybe their ace in the hole. How have they looked so far this year? I'm really encouraged. I mean, I will note that losing Seawald, you, you know, like it really, it really hurt them. And, and there were some, some bigger moments where you really wish that you had a guy that could come in and shut things down. And like, in many ways, you know, I like Diego Castillo as a pitcher, but he doesn't make me feel comfortable in, right. you know, if there's a runner on second and third, like, especially because, you know, he, at least I think, um, I would think given his profile, he, you know, he creates a lot of ground balls. Those are susceptible to luck. But like, when you think about it, I mean, who did they lose? They lost Graveman, sort of. I mean, Sadler. not even really, because they're, oh, yeah. So, Chargois. really, like, they replaced, I don't even count him. Uh, they replaced <laughs> Graveman with Castillo, which is uh, probably a bit of a downgrade. It shouldn't be, but it has been thus far. Um, Seawald might have trouble repeating his numbers. Same with Stack. Uh, Saddler obviously isn't going to repeat his. But they gained Festa, who is throwing a sweeper and like a, a you know, hard fastball pen Murphy. We haven't seen yet, but I think is the same thing where like he throws an outlier, you know, slider himself and his fastball isn't good, but his, his slider is good enough to make him good. Um, and Munoz has been nails like again, might not make you comfortable, but the ability to throw a hundred and, and, and throw that slider with it. Like you, you could just talking about, you know, zooming out archetypes, you could make the argument that this is a better bullpen than last year. And I actually probably would make the argument statistically, are they going to be like tough luck? I, you know, I, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily going to happen. Um, we should be seeing Ken Giles, you know, start to start to rehab and, and come back to, um, I've been really encouraged by everything thus far. And, you know, I wish, I wish Mishevitz would go away. Um, <laughs> I like him. Why? Because <laughs> he's I a decent lefty. <sighs> I guess. You I forgot about Swanson, Mikey. <clears throat> oh, I was going to touch on him next. Yeah, you should oh, okay. rave about Eric Swanson. Feels weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I, I've always, you know, kind of liked him. Um, but he, I don't know. I don't know what it is this year. Uh, again, maybe it's a small sample, but like he's striking out almost 40% of hitters. He hasn't walked anyone yet. 
and he's pitched the most innings at you know eight point two eight and two thirds uh innings he hasn't he hasn't walked anyone or given up a home run like i don't know what's gotten into him but uh it, no one can hit his fastball it's like almost a 40 percent um uh csw he throws a two seam right no he throws like a he throws a, a four seamer with lots of carry um or lots of like rise um let's see if it has gotten any flatter because that's really the only thing i can think of um a little bit like enough where it's like i don't really know if it's changed but i think the biggest thing is the shape has changed uh it's less straight so he's getting a little bit more carry and he's not like He's not throwing, like, uh, in terms of spin direction, he's not throwing it as over the top, so it's less likely to cut and and be kind of straighter. So even though he's moved towards a more generic fastball shape, I think I think it's it's kind of helped. Uh, so, shit, maybe I need to write about him now. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Eric Swanson's the goat. <laughs> I will say, I don't remember if it was you guys or lookout landing people or both, but there was a lot of preseason hand wringing about, oh my god, this Mariners bullpen is in trouble. Like this Mariners bullpen might be actually bad. First of all, I don't know where that was coming from because we just outlined yeah, they lost. That? Well, they were. I, I'm not. I'm not just like the the guy who's like, yeah, oh, yeah. I was told Steph Curry Steph couldn't Curry, shoot. <laughs> Steph Curry can't shoot. I promise you, I was having this argument <laughs> with. Maybe it wasn't Evan. It was, right. What was it? You, yeah. Evan. I don't think so, but it feels like something we would have talked about in this Slack kind of as a general conversation. I think it was, well, someone, I forget who it was in there, was was hand-wringing about the bullpen being bad. Now, first of all, I didn't know where that was coming from because, yeah, they lost Sadler, and that's it. <laughs> um, but second of all, because this team, if there's one thing Jerry Depoto knows how to do, it's find bullpen arms out of nowhere. And already... He's found um, Swanson for this year. Uh, we are new Munoz is going to be a thing, so I'm not going to count him. Um, but he also found Penn Murphy, potentially, uh, Matt Festa. Uh, I mean, like, these are just guys who, like, I don't think anybody expected much from. If you saw Swanson and Festa on the bullpen depth chart to start the season, you were like, oh, okay, those are, like, middle relief, four up by three or four runs, guys. But they've turned into high leverage arms. Um, and that's just one thing that DePoto always seems to know how to do is to take, you know, these pitchers that were not thought to be much and turn them into something. Um, so, you know, it's pretty incredible that they just continue to do it. And I think that at some point these guys are going to have to turn into trade pieces or else you won't be able to make more of them. <laughs> Like already they've been shuttling Penn Murphy back and forth without giving him an outing, which by the way is complete bullshit. He should have gotten into one of those two yeah, games he guy. was warming up in. Because um, he was warming up. Oh, did he a, warm? He warmed up twice. Once in a 2-2 game. I think that was in the last homestand. I forget who it was against. Maybe Texas. <clears throat> and then he was warming up in um, the blowout game against Tampa. Mm-hmm. And he didn't come into either game. And it was like, well, if you're not going to use him in either of those scenarios, then when are you going to use him? It's kind of tough to give a guy, you know, in his MLB debut, uh, you know, kind of a look like that. Um, I think that can really rattle you. So I get it. I mean, he's a he was almost picked like one thousandth in the in his yeah, draft. Thirty you know, third rounder. Yeah. So I I, I get it. Um, 
But also, I mean, I don't remember what the situation was, but like, why warm him up then? Um, there's also Sergio Romo, I think is, oh, is going to help, you know, <laughs> kind of, uh, I legitimately think like his presence is <laughs> present, uh, is, you know, a big thing. Like they said, when he arrived, like immediately he was standing up in front of a bunch of like younger players and they were just like listening to him talk. Like it's kind of that thing. And, you know, like Edwin Diaz learned his, uh, his slider from what was it? Walk, walking Benoit or. Yeah, I don't that's right. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, things like that happen. Um, but, you know, the, the bullpen's in really good shape. So I'm really, really excited about it. I mean, um, to have Fe- Seawald back is, is huge. Didn't Felix learn his delivery from Eric Bedard? <laughs> uh, the hitch, yeah. He learned a <laughs> really? little bit of deception from Bedard. Yes, that is true. No way. <laughs> Let me ask you guys this, zooming out for a second. So the bullpen is ranked 17th, um, 17th. And overall, the Mariners pitching is ranked 22nd. So we've been very positive about the pitching and kind of, for the most part, our general feelings about how it's gone so far. I, in particular, feel very positive. I feel like they've kept the team in the game. Um, Most of the losses we've had have not been blowouts. They've been by relatively small margins, um, in particular, as of late, the last two games. But 17th and 22nd are not good. Um, those are bottom half of the league and bottom third of the league, respectively. Um, what have they not done well? Because it, it feels like they've played pretty good, but the stats say, eh. so what's up there? I'm going to say it's three weeks into the season. <laughs> yeah. That's the main That's... thing. Um, you said it yourself, like one or two bad outings can totally change the entire, you know, stat line. Um so that, that to me is the biggest thing, but Mikey is probably gonna have something more insightful to say. So I'll let him say it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I think the biggest thing is if you look at swinging strike rate, they rank first and by like a healthy margin, like by, by 1.6, like the difference between them and the Mets were in second place and the what Mets and uh, swinging strike percentage. So the, the, the difference between them and the Mets, which is 1.6 percentage, and the Mets and whoever's 1.6 below them is 13th place. So like by a healthy margin, they are making guys swing and miss. What they're not doing is getting guys to, to take, you know, called strikes. They rank 29th uh, there. Um, so, you know, if you smash those two together, you know, I, I will take the swinging strike percentage over, you know, between the two. Um they still rank fifth by CSW, but, um, you know, I would say that's what they're not doing well is, is getting called strikes and, and kind of luck. Uh, so I anticipate that that will kind of, you know, round itself out, especially as you add Seawald to the bullpen, get Ken Giles back, you know, like things are on the up and up injury, you know, aside, uh, barring injury, I should say. Not having to like trade prospects at the deadline for bullpen arms is like an underrated great thing. If you like look at what the hell the Padres did in 2020, what they had to give away to get a couple of good bullpen guys and a catcher, like to not have to do that is gonna be a boon. What were you saying? I don't know. Maybe, maybe they, uh, maybe they do. 
Well, they'd have to no, get maybe... like an elite guy for it to make a big difference, right? Maybe. I mean, uh, like I like... said, bar- barring injury, I mean, you know, uh, Diego Castillo goes down. You know, mm-hmm. you, you you probably want someone else, especially if Ken Giles isn't really making it back, which I I do have legitimate concerns about. Like, I've never considered it a given that Ken Giles pitches this year at all. No. What? Well, I've forgotten about him for the most part, alongside, you know, the classic, you know, Kyle Lewis, Evan White guys. I'm just trying to keep them out of my mind so that when they appear on the field, I'm pleasantly surprised. But right. Yeah. And hey, uh, we didn't really mention that. Like Seawald's back. Hanny's back. Mm -hmm. Uh, Evan White. Ferenz is back. uh, TPD. Yeah. um, Ferenz is back. Kyle Lewis is getting pretty close, it sounds like, to getting in live you know rehab outing mm-hmm. so um he's playing in peoria like said, which is a step forward in, in some context at least yeah um and taylor chamel is like a month out ish maybe a month and a half uh so i don't know that's that's encouraging nick margavichus is a thing the the is mariners person. i feel like this has been a thing for like the depoto era but like knocking on wood again <laughs> but i feel like they've been very lucky with not you know having like tons of injuries and i guess maybe that's not accurate because they had that like 43 pitcher season <laughs> but <laughs> yeah that is true that was yeah and even but last year they a- had paxton and margavicious oh, and lj go wow. down before may so true. i actually agree with you in some sense i think that they have not had essential players be injured in a large well, they context had too i don't know maybe it's okay not maybe not <laughs> and they had lewis like okay maybe maybe i'm not making a fair a fair point there but maybe we're not we're also one there. month in <laughs> yeah well yeah, yeah. but having so. the mariners in the depota era have like the least number of tjs in the league isn't that something or is that that thing? would be Am a feather in their pitching development cap if true very much so I thought yeah. that, that was. I thought they were at least like near the bottom, but I don't have the stat in front of me, so I'm just blowing shit out my ass at this point. Yeah, fuck if I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have three bullpen guys I wanted to ask about specifically, real quick, while we're on this topic. Um, number one is Johan, who's gotten quite a bit of run so far <laughs> in the early season, both because Paul Seawall's been injured and because the Mariners mm-hmm. had some weird games. Um. But Mike, you're kind of a believer in Johan's stuff. And you said it yourself that we're getting the most swinging strikes and the fewest strikes otherwise. And kind of the small takeaway I got from what you said is that the Mariners pitchers in general have nasty stuff and are not locating it very well, Um, which jives kind of with the archetypes they have in the bullpen with Matt Brash. Um, I buy that in in general terms. Um, But what have Mm -hmm. you seen from Johan? Has he looked different this year? Has he made any of the improvements it felt like he maybe sustained last year? Or is he a little bit of the lost cause that we worry about sometimes? Um, I mean, I, I think it's really like he hasn't he hasn't thrown as many strikes. He, like last year, he looked like he could finally be that like, uh, you know, control first kind of pitcher, like not not that he has any command, but that he has control. Um, and this year, like at least anecdotally, that hasn't seemed to be the case. Um, I'm trying to pull up his strike percentage right now. Yeah. Like he just hasn't thrown strikes like last year. Um, his strike percentage is, I think bones is gnawing on my foot. Oh my God. (laughs) He's gnawing on my foot. Um, 
his strike percentage is 58.2, which isn't very good. That's um, I'm trying to find a comp. Alex Colome. Does that, does that oh, work? No. Um, so 312 out of 362, um, which D Gordon is apparently D strange Gordon is apparently on this list. Um, D got uh, to pitch good for him. Pick. Yeah. And he, he beamed someone. That was pretty funny. Oh, I remember that. Um, they like laid down, like yeah. <laughs> played dead. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Johan for him, it's just like, he's, Oh, Sean Doolittle's doing so well. <laughs> I love that. Six, rank six in strike percentage. I'm so proud of him. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, he just hasn't thrown strikes. You know who has thrown strikes, though? Do you say Kikuchi? Yes. No, he's not. Ne- no, never. This is relievers. Not historically okay. or currently. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, no, he's a Mariner. Oh. <laughs> Relief pitcher? Yeah. Are you going to say Eric Swanson? Yeah, nineteenth uh, <laughs> out of however many, you know, three sixty, seventy one point four percent. So with his fastball, he is just fucking. Oh my god, he throws strikes like a motherfucker. <laughs> uh, ranks nineteenth. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so that's good. Um, so I guess Johan is like the anti <laughs> Eric Swanson. Oh, I will oh, say man. there are two players that are incredibly divisive among lookout landing riders, at least, which we are all lookout landing riders. Um, Johan Ramirez is number one. <laughs> Very divisive player. I literally am going to harm someone in the slack. Number two, well, I think that this has been quieted due to a hot couple of weeks, but was Ty France. Uh, which was bewildering to me. I don't know if Ty France is contentious with the lookout landing people. I think that there are certain people who he is not their their favorite, shall we say. Um, I felt like there was some strong, you know, like he's, there were, pe- I, I don't know if this was you or other people, Evan, but the, like, oh, well, you know, like the fact that he's a good player in our team says so much about the Mariners. And I'm just like, he's a good player. Well, what I said, and this was me, but what I specifically <laughs> said is he is miscast as a team's best player. And I, I still believe that to some degree. I think that he's playing out of his mind. I think that he's not miscast as a team's best hitter. He can be the Mariners' best hitter. It would be cool if Jared or Julio or Winker or Suarez Hanniger. or somebody or Hanniger was better than him overall. I would, yeah. I would very much enjoy that. I would also say that I've been much more fond of Ty France this year because, as I told you last <laughs> week, there are runners on base in front of him. And it's really, yes. really nice when Ty France hits with runners on base in front of him, be it JP at the bottom of the lineup or Frazier getting on in front of him. Uh, that's been, as the kids would say, lit. Um, it's really nice. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to have brought this for. How do you do, fellow kids? Jeez, <laughs> Evan. I'm sorry to have brought this back to hitting because I know this is the pitching podcast. But I will say, I say that to say that Johan Ramirez doing well has been, uh, you know, it warms my heart um, because because I've been on the side of Johan. I think can be a good player in the in the Someone contentious ongoing debate. Um, but yeah, no, no one. There, <laughs> I can't think of another player more divisive right now. I guess like any catcher, because Zach Gottschalk hates every catcher except for Tom Murphy. <laughs> yeah, our catching situation is complicated. <laughs> At least it persists, is what I would say about it for now. 
Um, <sighs> we think that Let's... Cal might get sent down in a couple he of weeks. He did get when sent did... down. Oh, he did. Did yes. I, I miss? Yeah, he just said, yeah. He, yeah, he yeah, was yeah. a casualty of the, because they just called up Wyatt Mills and Penn Murphy again. I forgot Mills is in. Mills is definitely yeah, bitching died. today. Interesting. Poor Penn Murphy had to get on the plane to, to, to Seattle from Tampa, and they couldn't stop him in time. And then, like, right away had to turn Wait. around and get back on a plane back to Florida. What? <laughs> yeah, they didn't Why? catch him in time. Because they optioned him oh for a day. It's a long and flight, so too. They didn't know when they Why optioned just... him. Jesus Christ. They, they didn't know they were going to call him, him back up. That's <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> Just let him hang out or something. Jesus, let him throw a bullpen in with the boys. I know. Well, I guess in fairness, yeah, they didn't know they were going to need him back right away. So they're like, might as well get him back to Tacoma now instead of, you know, dilly dally. And then Johan had to throw four innings because of Marcos getting hurt in the first inning. And then they're like, well, now Was it we four? don't. Yeah, almost. I think it was like three and change. Yeah. Johan gets mop-up duty a lot, honestly. He seems to be Scott's preferred option for mop-up length. Whether or not that's a good idea is a is a separate discussion, but he does seem I to be inclined is. to pitch him. It was length. upsetting you know, that it's... he threw like one inning too many in that game, but not even. It was like one out too many. This is what Nick or like one header too many. What Nick Pollock calls a careful Icarus, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> Almost too I don't close know. to the sun. I don't I don't like the names. I, <laughs> that's why we are disbanded uh, from the from the network so you won't get uh, excommunicated for saying such things this is true (laughs) we we were formerly part of the pitcher list podcast network we are no longer Mm -hmm. we're not welcome (laughs) banished Um, well the game starts in a couple of minutes here so i think we should close on one last guy because not because he's the most interesting name that we've ever had on the show but because he has been increasing his usage out of the bullpen and seems to be at least in the early goings one of scott's preferred options i'm speaking of course about matt festa mikey you mentioned that he's throwing um a you know a new pitch i apologize it's not the slider right a sweeper no, a sweeper yeah a sweeper so tell us yeah, about baby. the sweeper and about kind of why matt festa has looked like one of the preferred options so far what's also what differentiates a sweeper from a slider for those of us who may not know asking for yeah um so i mean inherent as this name is it it gets a lot of sweep so it uh it gets a lot of horizontal movement um and Festa gets about 17 inches of sweep, which is a lot more than the league average uh, seven. That's that's 10 more inches if you're not great at math. Um, and he also throws it about, you know, only like a tick le- like uh, less hard than uh, than a league average slider, all while throwing, you know, 93, which isn't hard. But, you know, when you have an elite slider that you throw 57% of the time, it works and um <clears throat> the sweeper is you know kind of the hot pitch right now because a um it's 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 a pretty easy grip to learn from what i've heard and uh you can pretty much instantly like you, you know you kind of have to play around with it but you can pretty much instantly for a lot of guys get elite horizontal movement with it and you know a lot of guys struggle to throw a decent breaking ball um so the the raw movement is is good, but it also they're they're generally good seam shifted wake uh, pitches. And I've heard uh, from you know some people that I I 
chat with just on the side um, that it's it's up there in terms of like seam shifted wake. Um, and I don't have access to the 2022 numbers for that, but uh, you know that that is an elite pitch. Like it's probably a top ten, top five slider. Um, by CSW, he's you know thirty second out of you know three sixty. So elite, elite. Well, not elite, elite, but he's or maybe not even elite. Um, I don't know if you filter by a hundred pitches thrown or more, I would say he's an elite strike thrower by CSW and by strike percentage, not as good. Um, and I haven't, you know, looked into why that's the case, but, uh, that slider is legit. And so is Matt Festa. So I, I think if I had to pick like this year's kind of seawalled, I think it's maybe not necessarily him because he doesn't have the fastball that seawald does um hey, seawald didn't come up until may last year so we may not have even seen this year seawald yet this is true um but that's that that's pretty good by 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 strike you know csw so actually i I'll, I'll go with him um yeah he's looked really really legit him and munoz um are actually ahead of seawald right now by csw only by like 0.4 but <laughs> It's something. So if you're, you know, uh, operationally defining strike throwing or, or you know, uh, quality pitching by CSW, then they are as good as Paul Seawald, at least so far. Sounds like we got some good options in any case out of the pen. Um, anything yeah. else for today, guys? Or should we wrap it there and uh, watch the Mariners? I get to watch Matt Brash pitch against Eliezer Hernandez. It's a good... <laughs> It's a really good day. Also, this is Mikey's Christmas. Um, yeah, it, it really is because today is also uh, the last day of my current internship before I move Whoa. on to a new internship site. So, like, whoop whoop. Let's go. And then Sunday is my last day of the semester, and then I have, um, you know, depending on how you define spring break, I have one or two weeks of, uh, of spring break. So. Nice. It's also sunny as fuck outside. Mm-hmm. If you're watching on Spotify, uh, you can probably see a lot of light in my house. It's, Are we live to people right now? It's a beautiful thing. Are we what? Are we live to people live? right now? No. We, no, we, but no. We, we should start doing that, actually. I was thinking at the end of the year, if we have like, you know, if we're in a playoff hunt, it might be fun to do a couple live broadcasts during a game or something like that and kind of mm-hmm. go through the sheet, but also have the game in the background and report on it a little bit. That could be fun. Yeah, or StreamYard. We could True. stream art it. Oh no! But uh, yeah, maybe if you're interested in that, at the account, say I'm interested in that. <laughs> yeah, let us know. Um. Anyway, I'm Evan, and you can find me on Twitter at Evan James Audio. You can find Mikey on Twitter at Kuya Mikey. You can find Anders on Twitter at Anders Jorstad. <clears throat> you can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts, wherever it is you stream. Additionally, please support the Patri- the podcast on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash in Seattle. I will have the link for that at the end of the video here. Uh, thank you for listening and go Mariners. <laughs>